you are listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we dive deep into cinematic universes. This episode, we are discussing episodes 8 through 15 from the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Spoiler warning for these episodes and the first eight MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what do you think of the middle third of this season? Honestly, I got to flip it around on you first because there's some big reveals and I want to get your read on it before I, I give my impression. I really enjoyed this middle third. I liked that we picked up right where Thor 2 left yes. off. Yes. And I think... <laughs> this is a great celebration for me right now. Arms in the air. And I think that episode 13 in particular, the one titled Tracks, the acronym, mm. the train heist episode, I think what is my favorite episode so far. That is a great episode. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm always in for a train heist and for <laughs> a British person or Scottish person to be doing an American accent, which Fitz does. Love it. I even enjoyed like when he's talking to the bellboy there. He's like, I want a place with uh, big portions and good prices or something <laughs> like that. Something very American. I, I'll, all I can do is echo. Yeah, it, it, these this middle third is amazing. I think the train heist episode stands out, but they're all pretty darn good. They all lead us in the direction that we ultimately land on with the Tahiti episode and finding out what happened to Coulson, essentially. Uh, we, there's still a lot of questions, but there's a lot of answers in this episode, too. Right. We leave off basically understanding that this GH325 was responsible in some way for Coulson's recovery and it also helped with skies and that drug potentially comes from this blue alien mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fair to say and may is spying on Coulson yes. really leaves you on the edge of your seat at episode 15 a couple things from the films to follow up on we get an Emil Blonsky reference when Coulson <laughs> is threatening Ward that he'll send him to go watch his cell. And we know him from The Incredible Hulk, Yep, Tim Roth's character. We see Bucky's name on the Valor Wall in episode 12 when we go to the school. Yeah, the Academy, Shield Academy. I, I it is, It's referenced as the academy sometimes it's called just a shield academy kind of implying that there is more than one but yeah that we call it the academy and just loosely and i think that it really pays off to have watched the films and the show in the order that we have so far i really enjoy the little easter eggs that i can pick up on in real time mm -hmm. i'm sure it's even richer you know a second and third viewing as you know, you know more about the universe, but for now, I'm still enjoying all the eggs that I can even pick out. And also, even the in, not in universe, because it's all in, in universe, but the, like, within the just S.H.I.E.L.D. universe, you can, we get the history that, you know, Fitz and Simmons, we know them as these brilliant scientists, but going back to the Academy, they are truly brilliant and graduated faster than anybody else, you know, and they are the exceptional students, even among the exceptional students, and they're revered um, at this academy. So even like within our own 
small universe of shield they're they're building upon that history you're totally right and it also shows that colson really put together a high quality team yeah a couple more things that i want to touch on before we get to our stones i want to shout out the special effects both cgi and practical the planes flying the guest house imploding even the blue alien and you get some Asgardian technology as well that needs special effects. I just, I thought all of it was movie quality in a television show. Even all like the gadget design and even the design of that Asgardian staff itself. Somebody had to sit down and do that. And it's really impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, ABC really benefited from the uh, the Marvel support for this show. That would make sense since it is their show. Uh, the shield lady, the one with the red dyed hair. <laughs> yes, uh, Victoria Hand. I'm just predicting that I think that she may be dirty. I don't fully trust her. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll get that uh, prediction on the books here. Okay. And I was super glad that Ward's previous SO that came on the plane for that Asgardian episode, the Loreline one. Mm-hmm. Garrett, yeah. I liked that he, at least for the time being, wasn't a turncoat. Because it mm. felt like they were going to do that a couple times. And I liked that he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. his appearance is awesome. Like, again, the within the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. universe, universe building or world building with Ward and Garrett's history and now Triplet, the, essentially Ward's replacement, and their interactions are awesome, too. Uh, the kind of competition that they do for for Garrett's approval. And yeah, we're getting a lot more of the S.H.I.E.L.D. experience here, bringing in more people than just our team. Definitely. The world is growing. Yes. Anything else you want to touch on before we go into our stones? The only thing I can add is that the train heist episode never occurred to me as being the cliche train heist episode until we started talking about it but it it fits the bill and i absolutely love it and that's probably why i like it so much but it's like an interesting take on the train heist could not agree more the only thing it was lacking was a full-fledged fist fight on top of the train on top of the moving train yeah yeah i do enjoy when that happens okay well We're going to get into our six stones, but first, let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional-grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. Their hard-shell cooler line includes the Cruiser 15 cooler. The Cruiser 15 is a low-cost, light-duty cooler, roto-molded and built with all of the features of a heavy-duty cooler. Weighing only 8 pounds, the Cruiser 15 is light enough to be handled easily on any excursion, and with ice retention lasting longer than two days, you'll always be prepared for anything your adventure throws your way. All Mammoth coolers are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com that's m-a-m-m-o-t-h-c-o-o-l-e-r.com to order use the promo code begonia fm all one word at checkout to get 10 percent off of your order make sure to use that code to let mammoth know you came from us thanks to mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of begonia fm 
All right, six stones. First stone is sky. Yes. We learn a lot about sky during these episodes. Yeah. You know, from where it starts, where she's still wearing the bracelet to <laughs> discovering. That. Sh- <laughs> That's awesome. To, yeah. to discovering that she herself is an 084. An object of unknown origin. And then she gets shot by Quinn and brought back to life. She almost has a full arc within this middle third of the television show. And we're discovering a lot about the world through her. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely the vessel or the lens through which we are supposed to uh, observe this universe here. Like, she starts off as a rogue agent for a, you know, anonymous style hacker organization, then gets pulled in tentatively as an agent, but they like restrict her access with some magic technology to not let her use a computer, which is exactly the thing she's good at. Ah, it's great. She's slowly working her way towards being a full-fledged S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, you know, and that's why they, that she ends up out on this mission that she ultimately gets shot in, right? Oh, man, Quinn, he's a dirty guy. Yeah, she really pushes the envelope there with Fitz on the train, asking him if he has a tracking device, and as soon as he says that he does, she doesn't even consider the risk. It's all about accomplishing the goal of the mission, and that is to hopefully get whatever's in that briefcase and to find Quinn ultimately, which she does. But unfortunately for her, Quinn knew she was coming because of the clairvoyant and yeah, it almost cost her her life, but something that they've been, I don't want to say hammering home, but showing us that sky receives this information that could be taken poorly or, she could react to negatively but instead she repeatedly repeatedly takes the news well and has an attitude and optimism about her that Coulson's obviously drawn to and I think that that also pushes Coulson himself to discover exactly what did happen with her and the 084 situation yeah uh, give, give me an example of uh the some news that Sky gets that she takes well I can obviously think of some, but I, I can't say, or I don't want to say for fear that I'll uh, spoil something that you didn't know. Oh, that's totally fine. Uh, when she's told that she is an 084 and that the lady who dropped her off was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and has died, and that's right. why she's been moved around foster home to foster home her whole life, and she isn't mad that that happened. Instead, she's happy that people cared enough about her to do that all she's ever wanted is people to care yeah and i I think that um learning it or uh, i guess it just confirmed something she suspected or hoped i guess maybe in a way she knew she was an object of unknown origin right like she didn't know her whole story and then to learn that the person who dropped her off at the orphanage maybe that's her mother was a shield agent that that is good news to sky um especially at this point in her story where she's trusting shield you know at the beginning she did not trust shield the the men in dark suits and keeping secrets from everybody but she's pretty much on board at this point she would be like a full-fledged shield agent i think if uh shield wasn't kind of holding her back at, um, to, while they figure out if she can fall in line i guess 
Um, so I think from her point of view, this is just this is good news that she's no eight four and her quote unquote mom, whoever dropped her off at the orphanage, was a shield agent, and it it gives a good reason for her suffering. Essentially, you know, she was moved around from foster home to hos- from foster home to foster home, never stayed in one place more than a year or two years. I can't remember. And that that was tough. That's a that's a hard way to grow up. Never having a solid home. Never. I guess it always seemed like the foster parents gave her up. But to learn that she is, it's a form of witness protection program where they're they the you know the ominous they are constantly moving her around every so often. That's almost comforting. Definitely, and that's how she responds. And I think Coulson picks up on that. We talked about Quinn a little bit earlier shooting Sky, and that leads us into our second stone, which is the villains. Some good ones. Totally. I don't have a ton of thoughts on the villains. I mean, Quinn, he's a real jerk. You know, he's a real piece of work. He is a real piece of work. <laughs> I don't like that he shoots Sky, uh, but he clearly answers to the clairvoyant, allegedly. And uh, we learn a little bit more about the clairvoyant. Apparently, that is the person pulling the strings in this larger evil scheme. Yeah, they're seemingly behind almost all of the incidents in the episodes that we've seen so far. They're not exactly... The the clairvoyant is not behind the uh, Asgardian stuff. That's kind of um, outside of that. But the Quinn and Reyna and Centipede storylines and Cybertech... It seems that we, we get a little bit of a hint in every every time that the clairvoyant is behind it all, um, you know, seeing what's about to happen and instructing his or her followers accordingly, you know, leading them to believe that he can and indeed see the future and basically fostering a, a cult-like following to this clairvoyant. It's quite a power. If the clairvoyant can indeed see the future, that is a very powerful power. And, and even if the... I think the more powerful power of the clairvoyant is the charisma, the the way that the clairvoyant gets people to like and trust them. Um, I think the seeing the future is part of it, but even if you could just see the future with with no tact, um, would be pretty difficult to 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 make friends. Essentially, that's a great point. You mentioned Reyna a little bit earlier here. Yes, the girl in the flower dress. Yeah, she plays a pretty important role in these middle in this middle third. I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of don't hate her. I don't know if I really, you know, if I'm supposed to. I think I'm supposed to, but I, I kind of don't, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to hate her at this point. She is clearly working with the bad guys, uh, but it is unclear if she is a bad guy. She seems to have her own thing going and is using the resources allotted to her by the Clairvoyant or by Centipede, um, Cybertech, whoever whoever she happens to be working with at the time. She seems to be using their resources to further her own goals, which are unclear at this point. But I think you're right. We, we do kind of like her despite knowing she's, quote unquote, the bad guy. Yeah. And just one thing on Cybertech, the leg that Mike ends up getting mm-hmm, yeah. as a part of like a project called Deathlock. Yes, Deathlock. And so it seems that Mike will continue to do the clairvoyance bidding for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's unfortunate uh, that 
you know, Mike Peterson, we, we, he gets the, um, what's her name? Agent, the girl with the eye that we saw in, in the first, in the last episode. Um, hold on. I got it. Akila Amador. Yes. Former shield agent who had the eye implant that was being controlled. Mike Peterson's got the same thing. He's in an accident, quote unquote accident, loses a leg. Now he gets even more tied into whatever computer system that the clairvoyant has control over and it, even more control now because he's got even more to lose, essentially. Quick quick note on the Deathlock. That is, uh, I don't want to say it's an Easter egg. But, you know, it's very clearly a reference to something um, from the comics, which is Deathlock as a super person. I don't recall Deathlock ever being even remotely a good guy, but I think... We're supposed to think that uh, the human side of Mike Peterson is still a good guy, but the Deathlock side is the bad guy, you know? Uh, it's, it's a very interesting take for me on that character. Oh, well, that's very cool. Yeah, I'm not wild about Mike, so, you know, I can't say I'm rooting for him. <laughs> I could see that. You know, I, I don't blame you for that one. <laughs> Our third stone is as guardians on Earth. We start the middle third right off of the aftermath of Thor 2 and kind of periodically throughout these episodes we get Asgardian influence with the Berserker and the staff. Sif shows up for an episode because Loreline, a new Asgardian that we meet, comes to Earth. I just felt like it had a lot of influence on this middle third of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think that is indicative of, well, not only the fact that the Thor 2 movie came out um, and is influential in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in our world, you know, having just the new movie, but it is also indicative of the fact that we're in this post-Avengers, aliens, Asgardians, superpowered people world in, in S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think it's an important reminder for our S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and us as the viewers that this is a world where this can happen in basically any time that some uh, ticked off Asgardian can land on earth and wreak havoc because they're so much more powerful than humans Um, and even Lorelai is not she is more powerful than a human but she's not like a renowned warrior necessarily in Asgard but she clearly holds her own here on earth so I think that the that serves as a, a an important reminder and warning that humans on their own, like individually, are pretty outclassed in the universe, uh, and it's really the it's our ingenuity and teamwork that that gives us a fighting chance against any would be invaders. Uh, Loreline has a terrifying ability as well, the kind of mind control. Yeah, very scary stuff. Yeah, it, it, her ability to enchant basically men, um, that's kind of the, the theme here. I think she can technically influence women, but uh, the story goes that she's beautiful and gets men to do whatever she wants um, through her magic touch, essentially. Yeah, it is quite terrifying that someone could have such influence over a person or even a group of people and, and get them to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when she sleeps with Ward and then, you know, when she's talking to May there at the very end, basically tells May, hey, he wasn't thinking about you or me. You know, there's another girl on his mind. 
just drops that bomb on the group. Didn't even have to, but it just shows how powerful that ability is that she has where she can just get inside somebody's head. And and even read and uh, interpret more than influence, right? Right. So who do you... Who do you think the other person is on Ward's mind? It's got to be Sky. Okay, I I, w- I would agree. I, I you know I just wanted to see where you were leading on that one if you had had an inkling. Hey, you know him and Simmons that would work as well. But I think that he especially on those last couple episodes seemed to be incredibly concerned with Sky almost more than usual. So that's my guess. The only other thing I have here in my notes from the Asgardians on Earth is how Sif talks to agent colson she refers to him as phil son of cole <laughs> that's so good it's so fun it's like thor odin's son yeah but uh speaking of colson that is our fourth stone is rebel colson himself yep we get him trash talking to reyna you know she's like what do you see he's like jordan hitting the game-winning shot over russell <laughs> so clutch yes just mocking her and disregarding shield level protocol he breaks into the guest house he's just kind of become a little bit rebellious or not as much rebellious as he is becoming more loyal to his specific team and driven to driven to the purpose regardless of the shield rules he's he's on a mission and it seems at this point that the uh, the mission doesn't perfectly align with shield's mission which has in the past so he's been able to work within the system but I think now he's starting to see what he wants isn't the same thing that S.H.I.E.L.D. wants necessarily. Yeah, and he sees that he's not being told the truth about how long he was dead for, how they brought him back, where they brought him back. Yes, exactly. And this whole time, Fury is just M.I.A., and so he just takes matters into his own hands. He relives the Tahiti experience with Reyna, And he goes to the guest house and starts to dig up some evidence of maybe how exactly he was brought back. Yeah. What are your feelings on the whole Coulson coming back situation? Like there's a lot of a lot of mystery from S.H.I.E.L.D. Obviously, they're not telling Coulson. But what do you think they did to Coulson? I guess is what I'm trying to get out here. Or what do you think happened to Coulson? Not not trying to assign blame or anything unclear at this point uh the things that i think i know is that he was dead for multiple days he at some point had his brain being lasered and at some point he was injected with this gh325 but Mm -hmm. i don't think that we know the whole truth still to this point um interested to see the next time that we talk with fury on the show yep Fury's the only one that has all the answers at this point. That will be an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. Uh, but we're kind of walking around it, so let's just go down to the bunker of the guest house for our fifth stone. It is kind of the driving force for the last couple of episodes that we watched was trying to figure out what it was and then where it was and then how to get in there and then what to do once you're in there. It was quite a revelation to see that blue alien. And as I mentioned earlier, I did enjoy watching the teams work together towards a common goal, even though it wasn't necessarily for S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. The guest house is the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, 
and the Tahiti is the project that is worked on at that facility. It's this common thing with these uh, military or, or government organizations love their acronyms and sometimes, well, sometimes they're called backronyms where they pick the word they want and then make the letters fit it, which fittingly enough, uh, Ward referenced that at the first episode uh, when they, when asked what SHIELD stands for. And he said, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. And then says, what does that mean? And he says, it means someone really wanted our letters to spell SHIELD. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the definition of a backronym. But anyways, the Tahiti Project is an actual acronym. Who knows how they came up with it? But it stands for Terrestrialized Alien Host Integrative Tissue I, or one, basically. Understood. So we learn the guest house is the shield facility that, uh, well, who knows what they do at this, everything they do. But one of the projects that they work on is called Tahiti. And I think we learned through Reina um, or through Reina's interrogation with uh, Coulson in that brain machine, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. We learned that shield has the ability to make fake memories, I guess is is one way to put it. And I guess you could constitute it as brainwashing or conditioning or whatever you want to call it. But um, we clearly see it through Coulson. Anytime the word Tahiti is mentioned, he responds with it's a magical place. And eventually he starts catching himself saying that. And uh, clearly something unnatural or, you know, something happened uh, to Coulson. And this Tahiti is the source of it. Again, back to the terrifying uh, realizations or revelations we get with Reina, the whole Coulson screaming, let me die. And that's just, it's hard to watch, you know, from the, from the character that, that we have grown to love and root for to see him reacting like that definitely makes us think whatever happened to him was terrible and would not wish that on anyone else. Right. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. I know you don't want to spoil anything, so I won't pry too much with the guest house. We will see what is to come of it, but... Well, it's gone, isn't it? Well, you know, the physical place is gone, but the mysteries there still remain. Definitely. The mysteries are still there. Like that blue guy. Like that blue guy. What the heck? And Oh, man. So much more than just like a blue corpse, but it's half a blue corpse. Ah, <laughs> uh, That's true. Maybe... There, the Iron Man 3 starts with Eiffel 65's mm. I'm Blue. That, I see the connection now. Yes. They're weaving it in. That mm-hmm. uh, that song was written about this guy. Yep. I see you, MCU. Mm-hmm. You're clever. Uh, our sixth stone and final stone here for this episode is Melinda May. We learn the real cavalry story where she was a part of a welcome wagon that didn't go well and she had to apparently kill everybody which is very sad and we get a moment from her during this third where she talks about not being able to be forgiven for the bad stuff you've done which is heartbreaking to think that mm-hmm. all of that stuff weighs on her yeah more than more than you can't be forgiven uh i i guess she really means you can't forgive yourself for some of those things Right. So she she's clearly internalizing it. Whether whether or not Shield, Colson, or any of her team or whoever acknowledges slash f- 
forgives, I don't know, provides an excuse for, justifies her actions, she will always carry the weight of those actions. Totally. And then the she does a few different things throughout this middle third that are all very different that I wrote down, but all kind of stay true to character in a way. Like we discover that her and Ward are sleeping together. Yep. She's clearly able to compartmentalize the relationship in a way that maybe Ward isn't, which you know tells us a lot about May. And, and then we Ward. see her pull the... And Ward, good point. And then we see May pull the whipped cream prank on Fitz, showing that like she does have this soft side, but also like, of course, she's sneaky enough to pull that off on the plane without anybody else even knowing who did it. Yes, and she's so like confident. She's just up in the cockpit listening to them and waiting for them to to figure it out. She doesn't. She's not in the room, you know, playing along and watching him. She's just like, mm-hmm. lets it happen. Uh, that's great. And then the last piece of information, we touched on it at the beginning of the episode, but it's where we left off, was that we discovered that May is spying on Coulson. She is making a call to somebody. I don't know who. Who could it be? I mean, Fury is above them. Um, Maria Hill is above them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And could the red-haired lady Victoria is above Hand. them. Yeah. But other than that, I'm not aware of too many superior officers or superior or higher level people there at shield so i'm very interested to see it's someone in shield wow no that's not (laughs) just purposefully (laughs) purposefully throwing you off the scent (laughs) that's fine no that's good make me think critically here i can't just assume in the world of espionage and and in the world of like as guardians what if thor has like hey uh, let me know what's going on with this guy Making a casual call to Thor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, someday. Uh, to be on that speed dial, man. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to get into categories here in just a second. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional-grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They're ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and anything in between. The Mammoth Ice Tusk is a stainless steel reusable beer chiller. It's the ultimate way to keep your long neck beer cold. Built with 18-8 kitchen grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, it keeps your beer cold for up to two plus hours on a single freeze. Here's how you use it. Freeze the Ice Tusk for at least 45 minutes. Take a sip of beer to make some room, insert the tusk into the bottle, and press firmly to create a a tight seal. Then enjoy drinking that ice-cold beer. All Mammoth Coolers are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit www.mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. We want to thank Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Welcome back. Lucas, pick your power. Hmm. See, we've, we've got quite a few to choose from through these episodes. I'm thinking... That's a tough one. So part of me wants to go with Donnie. Ice, ice, ice baby. Mm-hmm. I think I got to go with Lorelai on this one. The, the power of influence. It's just... Not necessarily the best power to have, but it is certainly interesting. 
Yeah, and in the right hands, it could be really used for good. True. But my hands, I'd like to think. But morally, <laughs> it is not right. <laughs> uh, but you're talking about Donnie there. That's actually the power I'm picking is the small ice making machine. Oh, yeah. It was a hot summer here in Los Angeles. And boy, <laughs> could I have gone for that little machine some days. The one that freezes an Olympic-sized pool in like 30 seconds? That's the one. Put it right in the middle of my apartment and just lay down. Yep. Uh, who's your hero? Hmm. Again, that's a tough one. I think I'm going with Sky on this one. I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Sky in general. Um, she's kind of whiny in my opinion, but she really steps up and well, ultimately takes one for the team in this stretch of episodes. Takes two for the team. Takes two. Yeah, takes two shots. Um, yeah, she she really is a. She's not a shield agent. You know, they've got that bracelet on her, um, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're treating her like a second class citizen. Yet she's still willing to go on this mission. She uses all of the skills she has, ingenuity, thinking on the fly, infiltrates, uh, infiltrates Quinn's facility and tricks him by acting like a double agent, but then really is the single agent. Ah, just fantastic. Yeah, Sky really stepped it up here in the middle third. My hero is the blue alien. He is responsible for Coulson and Sky being alive. True that. As far as I know. So I'm a fan of the guy. <laughs> yes. And I know this wasn't in your preseason ranking, so I'll just skip along to my unofficial rating. And I'm giving this two out of three pieces of Berserker staff. Yeah, you don't want to put all three together. That's uh, oof, asking for it. That is a lot of rage. <laughs> Concerned for Ward. They said 20 years that was going to last. So that's tough to live with, you know? Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Maybe someone like uh, Ward is is uh, more able to handle that level of emotion. As uh, as we see with, with May, there's, some, there's definitely some emotional suppression training that they go through at the academy or the not the the academy is a science one what's whatever the uh, operator specialist academy is called that's the one operations operations they they definitely train them to handle emotion like that don't they yeah he seems to be taking it well for it being as guardian rage but i have my eyes on him <laughs> uh put one minute on the clock here for you what did we miss, Lucas? Hmm. Okay, well, we didn't talk very much about the ninth episode, Repairs, where we deal with some supernatural-ish. You know, we deal with a lot of weird stuff in, in S.H.I.E.L.D., but the one where there's seemingly a ghost uh, targeting the safety inspector, Hannah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the bus is, uh, what do you call it, infiltrated. The bus is... You know, they lose control of the bus and, and they're trapped and someone is at, um, tormenting them, basically just trying to get close to this girl he likes, we learn. But a, a very fun one-off episode we get for this one, for this season, uh, or this section of the season. I don't know. I think it, this episode really shows the breadth of foes, not foes, the breadth of situations that the team can handle. 
ultimately is sort of like a sciency type thing caused by like a particle accelerator but at the beginning we think it's like a ghost or something and and she's haunted by this uh, accident at her work so perhaps more to come on this type of situation yeah actually i had a few notes on that episode that is the episode where the cavalry story is going around mm-hmm. where Fitz and Simmons are trying to freshman prank Sky, <laughs> and it fin- the episode finishes with May and the whipped cream prank and everything. Uh, but my one uh, nit to pick with that episode is that the guy was invisible at the beginning of the episode, so we would have some mystery. Mm-hmm. But then by the end, he had to be a solid person in the room to start affecting things. I was like, eh, a little bit of a plot hole there but i'm not going to hold it against it because it was so much fun it was shot in like a horror type way Mm -hmm. yeah i like the episode good call i'm glad you brought that up i want to thank everybody for listening to this episode if you have questions or feedback send an email to hello at begonia.fm or reach out to us on twitter or instagram at perlustration fm for our next episode we will be watching Captain America, The Winter Soldier, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. So excited. A big thanks to Mammoth Coolers for sponsoring this episode. Lucas, take us out. What are we? We're a team. Clairvoyance does not like to be touched. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, is that it? Yeah.